the book of Matthew chapter 25 uh, talks about a a landowner, a, a man that owned great property and really had great wealth. And the Bible says that he uh, actually delivered unto three different individuals their particular gifts. And uh, so, you know, he, he went on a long journey and uh, he gave one guy how many gifts? How many talents? Five. He gave another individual how many? Two. And then he gave another individual one. And, and, I, and you know, by Roman weight, uh, you know, a talent was basically 71 pounds of gold. So we're talking about mucho dinero there. I mean, we're talking about millions of dollars. And uh, so, as we pointed out last week, and just by way of review, and you're going to be discussing some of these things, when we, when we talk about uh, the laws of financial management, and, and this is really a parable about financial management. And of course, you can glean other truths in there, and, and uh, how that we are stewards not only of our finances, but we are stewards of our time and we're stewards of our talents. And the first law that we pointed out last week was the law of possession. That everything that I have belongs to God. So what, what we thought that we own is really a loan. You know, God, God made it all, He owns it all, and then He loans it to us. Isn't that awesome? And so... There's something about His creation. There's, there's something about those that are born of God that, that what is man anyway that He's mindful of us to the degree that He would entrust us with the stewardship, praise God, of our time, our talents, and our treasures. It is an awesome, awesome thing. In verse 15 it says, To one servant He gave the five, to another... Uh, to the to another each man to one each man according to his ability and then he left on his journey so we see the second principle here we see the principle of the law of allocation say it with me god has loaned me money and so we see here that the the amount differs does it not but everybody gets something in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, there are no, no talent people. Everyone has a talent. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has been entrusted with something from the Lord. Now, the fact of the matter is, is you and I are free moral agents, are we not? And so then we get to choose what we do with what God gives us. We can waste it, we can spend it, we can hoard it, we can use it, or we can invest it. So God then gives you that freedom. And really, it is the test of lordship, and it is the test of stewardship. But there will come a day, one day... You will, I will explain to God the choices we made. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. What you do with it is what God is watching right now. Amen. In verse 19, it says this. After a long time, the master of the three servants returned. Now notice, 
to settle his accounts. He came to settle his accounts, one translation says. Everyone say his accounts. And this gets into the, the third law, and that is the law of accountability. And by, we, by the way, you're going to have these notes you know, at the end of your discussion time. So you, know, you don't really need to take real awesome notes right now. But there is coming a day where the master will return. Aren't you glad? But he will return to settle his accounts. The law of accountability. One day, God will audit you. One day, God will audit me. It could be like a final exam, if you will, on the life that God gave you. It's a life audit. Not by the IRS, but by G-O-D. And the difference between IRS and G-O-D is, IRS doesn't have all the records, but G-O-D does. And CIA, you're dismissed at this time. Have a great class. CIA, children's ministry. God has made an investment in me and in you. And you know what he's counting on? He's counting on a return. Now, how many of you know that we did our team building fair over the weekend? It's historic. I believe it is the best thing that we have ever done in the history of this church of the 30 years I've been here to get people off the sidelines into the game. And I'm kind of waiting on how many people it was. 290 people signed up. Isn't that awesome? That's historic. Now we need to pray that people will follow through. Amen. And we can pray that way. And we do pray that way. Because I believe that people really, really want to spend their time here on earth in something that counts and something that is of great value. Oh, thank you, Lord. So the question is, what are we going to do with what he gave us? In Romans 14, 12, and let me paraphrase it for you. It says this. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Now, one thing for sure is this, is irresponsibility never lasts. How many of you know that irresponsibility can catch up with you? It's catching up with America right now. I don't know how many gazillion or trillion dollars Americans in debt, but it's catching up. But now notice... He came back and the audit took place. And the first guy in verse 20 and 21, the master said, I entrusted you with five talents. He said to the master, and I have gained five more. That's awesome. There's a double blessing right there. And his master replied, you could have done better. No, his master was happy. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. By the way, we want to hear that. Now, the second guy also had an awesome return on what his master had given him. His master had given him two, and he gained two more. And the same thing, the master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But the third guy didn't have a good report. And I want you to look at verses 24 through 26. And if we could just put it up there, and let me paraphrase it to you. It says this, that the man... Who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew. Now notice, he starts blame shifting. You know, you take the word blame. 
Whenever you blame someone and try to shift the blame, you are being lame. The blame game. And he said, Master, you've entrusted me with this, but you're a hard man. Harvesting where you've not. He, what he's trying to do is he's trying to turn the tables. He says, you have sown and gathered where you've not scattered seeds. So I was afraid. He yielded to fear. And what did he do? He went and hid his talent in the ground. He went and hid his talent in the ground. And notice the master's response. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. He wasn't blessed, was he? Why? Because he buried that talent and he did nothing with that. But on top of that, he blamed his master for his mismanagement. He had what you will see so often in the United States of America and sadly even in local churches. You will have what we call a victim mentality. A victim mentality. You know, people mess up their lives and... And they don't know what to do, so all of a sudden they blame the government. They blame God. They blame their pastors. They blame their wives. It's something that is so easy to do. But each and every one of us are accountable for what God has given us. You know, it's very important that we understand that when we make mistakes, we're accountable for it. You know, God is not telling people to go out and buy homes they can't afford. God is not leading people to go out and charge their credit cards to the hilt. So that they're so bound up by the spirit of mammon that they can't even sleep at night. I get tired of these God told me to do people. When no more God told him to do it than I landed on Mars 10 hours ago. God will never tell you to buy a car you can't afford. And I know that's good preaching. But let's look at Proverbs 19 verse 3. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you from a couple translations. In Proverbs 19:3, it says, People ruin themselves by their own stupid actions. And then they blame the Lord. The message says that people ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? The Amplified says the foolishness of man subverts his way, ruins his affairs. Then his heart is resentful and frets against the Lord. Say it with me. Part of me being a good steward is taking responsibility for my actions. Now, the good news is his mercy endures forever. If you've been stupid, if you've been dumb, if you've been idiotic, and I've been all three. I've made mistakes and done things that I shouldn't have done. But you know what? I know the rock. His name is Jesus. He's higher than I. And he has got me out of those messes that I've created for myself. And so it's, es muy importante. Well, I can always file for, you know, I can always do. Yeah, you can always do those things. But I believe that God is looking for men and women that will become responsible for their actions. 
Notice what the master's response to his whining was. He said, you basically, you should have at least put my money into the bank so I could have made some interest. And so what this leads us to is the fourth and the final one that we're going to talk about tonight. And that is the law of utilization. What is the law of utilization? Basically, it's this. That I must and you must wisely use God's money. The fact of the matter is God expects us to invest what he loans us. You might be surprised at this illustration, but money is like manure. If you spread it all around, it helps things grow. Like fertilizer. But if you pile it up, it just starts stinking. I mean, let's be honest about it. But this third guy is like a lot of Christians. Very cautious. Very conservative. Very fearful. He walks in a very... Uh, cautious manner. In other words, I'm going to play it safe. You ever heard the old saying, nothing ventured, nothing gained? So what did he do? He just sat on it. And does that upset the master? You bet it does. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. You know, that's not a word that we normally use, is it, for money management. You know, most of us think when we think in terms of wicked, we think in terms of murder, right? Sex trafficking, child abuse, rape. But God says this to us tonight. His definition of wicked is misusing the resources that he has entrusted us with. Doing nothing with our talents. A personal word to you, a personal word to me, would be Mark, and whatever your name is, it's wicked anytime you misuse or abuse the resources that I gave you. Has God given you something? Have you been entrusted with something? Yes, you have. And so it's sinful then to bury it and not multiply it. Say it with me, God... My God is into heavy increase. He says, at least you should have put it in the bank. But he did nothing. What did he do? He buried it. He put it out of sight. Barry carries with it this thought. We don't want to face it. Just try to forget it. I've got umpteen thousands of dollars in credit. I can't think about it. I just got to forget it. Burying it. Listen to this statement. The greatest use of your life is to invest it in that which will outlast it. Say that with me. The greatest use of my life is to invest it in that which will outlast it. Think about it. Two insights in closing. You cannot please God by doing nothing. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And the second insight is this, is God would rather have you try to serve him in faith and fail than do nothing. 
I'll be honest with you. I would much rather attempt to do something than fail. Question for you tonight. Of these three individuals, who is the one that is most likely to do nothing with what God gave him? I'll tell you who it is. It's the one talent person. Sometimes people have this attitude. Since I'm not a superstar, I'll just sit here. Just because you can't be the best doesn't excuse you to do nothing. So many Christians, and I'm not saying this or pointing my fingers at anyone here tonight, but so many Christians have lost their joy. They've got no spark, no enthusiasm left. Why? Because they're playing it too safe. Let's get off the sides lines of life. Amen? Let's use our talents with what God intended for us to use it with. Let's glorify God right here, right now, so that when we go there, we're going to hear well done. Good and faithful servant. Amen.